you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The one thing I always take away from being able to be around you guys, being able to be around players, you know, being around that team was just that I needed every bit of that in that time period because I was in such a broken place spiritually mm-hmm. that the city of New Orleans, my teammates, everything, it just, it brought me right back. It was like, nah, we're not going to let you go too far, you yeah. know, down this dark path. We're going to keep you right here with us. And then we ended up winning that Super Bowl, man. And that was just like the biggest release of of just like the monkeys off my back, breathe fresh air, and you know that's what it was about. Yo 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 everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Roman Harper and you are listening to the NFL Players Second Acts podcast. I got a special guest here, a former teammate of mine, really looking forward to really diving into different aspects of this young man's life he's been a superstar for as long as I've known him and uh, he continues to shock and show out in this world I want to thank first and foremost thank all of our listeners for tuning in continue to listen to us give us always give us a review and for all us new listeners today that's tuning in make sure you hit and click on that follow button to give us a review and a like and make sure you continue to subscribe tell a friend tell another friend to tell a friend all right, anywhere you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio app, or anywhere else you listen to or pick up on your podcast. Thank you. Our guest today, some people don't know how to really describe him or what he is or what he has become, but just know <laughs> to many, many people, he is the best college football player they have ever seen with their own eyes. Today's guest, <laughs> fight on for victory, number five, 
aka 25 Fever, whatever you want to call him, Reggie Bush, the second overall pick in 2006 from the University of Southern California, lucky enough to have fallen to the number two pick. My teammate, former teammate, always my dude, Reggie. How you doing, my boy? I'm good, man. I'm good, Rome. How you doing, man? I'm it's good I'm to be doing, here. I'm doing good, man. So most of the time we tell everybody resumes and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, yeah. everybody kind of knows you. So let me just tell a good story <laughs> about my boy, Reggie. So this was my initial introduction to Reggie Bush. Right? <laughs> so for all these listeners out here, so we both get drafted. All right. Reggie's number two. I'm second round pick for the Saints. They fly Reggie in the second round pick. I, I guess I must have missed the flight or I didn't. Get the <laughs> Whatever it was. It's cool. I'm not even mad about that. All right. Not even mad. So now we get out there. We're in rookie camp. You know, everybody goes to rookie camp. So me and Reggie are roommates. All right. Yep. The yep. only time we were there for the short period of time, we were roommates. And this is my introduction to Reggie Bush. Reggie has his laptop out and he shows me what he had just come from Vegas at the Hard Rock Hotel at Rehab was the the pool party. I had never seen anything like this in my life, all right? I'm from Alabama. I've only been out of the state a few times. My man Reggie's like, bro, this is like Memorial Weekend. You don't know anything about this? I'm like, no, I've never seen anything like this. It was absolutely life-changing. I literally went the next year and told my mom, you know what, mom? I'll never be home for Memorial Day ever again. I'm going to be at the Hard Rock Hotel. With my boy Reggie and everybody else. Everybody, Reggie Bush right there. Yeah. Hey, you know what is crazy is we um you know, going to Vegas now is so different than, you know, back during that time period before COVID and all these things that, you know, have transpired since. But rehab was the first like big pool party I ever went to. And the first time I went, I had that same reaction. I was like, oh my God, what is this? Like, look at all these damn people here. And um, you know, it was it was the, the it was like one of those first big pool parties, um, you know, back in that time period when pool parties were still big. Yeah, remember going there, you know, every year with a bunch of teammates, you know, hanging out, having a good time. And Reggie, and, um, you had went before it got ratchet too, like eventually. Yeah, it wasn't ratchet, ratchet yet. No, it, wasn't it ratchet was like yet. it was a new phenomenon. Yeah, it was a new <laughs> phenomenon still. <laughs> it got ratchet real. It got ratchet at some point, and then you know. I think things end up changing, like excess popped up and yeah. Encore Beach and all these other places. But um, you know, those those good times, man. That was a that was the beginning of uh, you know, our our relationship, us meeting. Um, you know, I, I never forget, man, meeting you for the first time. I was like, who is, how old is this dude? Like how, <laughs> I, you know way me and him are coming in the same draft class. Like, this dude got to be year 10 right now. <laughs> I, I be trying to tell everybody, like, bro, I've literally had gray hair, like, majority of my life. So I, I can't, time. I literally cannot, I, know you. I can't, I can't dye it because everybody like, dude, what? Yeah. If I, if I, if I showed up, Reg, with black hair, what would you say? You should actually do that one time just for the college football show, bro. I swear to God, it would be a hit. It would go viral if you showed up. All straight black hair, no grays nowhere. Just go ahead and dye that thing, man. Color it up one time for the TV. <laughs> so Peanut Peanut was my teammate, and he literally started a GoFundMe. Yep. And, and it got up to like seven grand, bro. Mm -hmm. Like trying to get me to dye my hair for like a week. <laughs> and I was like, no. 
I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> now you know what? Um, I, I honestly, it it gives you so much character. You know what I'm saying? Like because you know, there's different things about us individually that you know that separate us from other people. And um, you know, I just feel like you know the way we look, you know, sometimes the way we talk, the way yep. we act, it all just gives us character. Yeah. And just knowing you for as long as I've known you, man, coming in the same draft. You always been the same guy. Always been a great person. Always been an amazing teammate, hard worker. Um, you know, nothing is changing. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. still seeing that same guy. You know what I mean? We just we on the other side now. You know what That's I mean? We it, lived our, we lived our, our our time in the in the NFL. We made it through. You know, with all our all our limbs still attached to our body. Yep. <laughs> and um, but I I wouldn't even recognize you, bro, if you didn't have gray hair. So you know I. I think it gives you character, man. Obviously, you know, everybody who's known you for so long, you know, probably feels the same way, man. So, yeah. you know, uh, you, well, you're good. Thanks, you're good. God. Thank you. Now, and, 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 and you, you know what I'm saying? You're the man, so. That, well, I appreciate that, dog. All <laughs> right, well, let's let's kind of jump into that NFL career of uh, talking it. about let's that. And one special season that we shared was in 2009 when we won Super Bowl 44 uh, mm -hmm. versus the, uh, the Colts in Miami at the end of all that that season. Um, what was your favorite moment from that season? You've had some special moments, Reggie. I mean, not yeah. only, you know, I don't want to take anything from you or give you a whole bunch of ops. I want you to speak on it first. But, I mean, you you dove from like the eight-yard line at one point. <laughs> so, like, you've had some very, very special moments. So, please go. Let, just take it away from there. Um, well, that Miami game you're talking about was, was a special one because, you know, I just remember us going to Miami and you know that being a dogfight, like Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown, it felt like they had like two hundred yards each in the first half. It was, I was like first running. half, clearly first half, no <laughs> it question. It was running right, and so um, you know, just that second half is where we really gelled together. Um, we we fought back. Um, Drew was making plays. I was making plays. I had the the dive where I took off from like the eight yard line, like you said. And you know the the thing about Whenever I dove in the end zone, it was me saying or showing that I'm going to score no matter what at all costs, you know? So it's not something that I practice. You never saw me dive in practice ever. Never. Nobody ever. Hit once. Me down. Yeah, yeah. Never seen Reggie on the bush, on the ground. Not one time. <laughs> it, was that only, <laughs> it was only in games that would come out, you know? And in all honesty, it's not something I prepared for. Mm -hmm. um, it was not something I practiced. It was just like, if I'm within 10 yards of this end zone, I'm jumping because if I got to get a ball to Deuce on the one-yard line or to Pierre on the one-yard line or whoever it is, you know what I'm saying? I might not get that opportunity back. So <laughs> yeah, the the, same you, thing, they, They're going to pull you as soon as you get on that too. They I read over here. <laughs> every time. Every time. They act like I can't run between the tackles and on the goal line. You know what I'm saying? And... <laughs> You know, it, it, it started in, at USC when, you know, me and Lindell obviously were, you know, thunder and lightning and we were going back and forth. And and same thing, though, you know, if, if I got tackled on a one or two, they was going to bring Lindell in there and handle the football. So I'm like, you know what? F this. I'm getting in the end zone. I don't care what I got to do. If I got to break somebody's leg, if I got to bite somebody's fingernails off, whatever I got to do, I'm getting in the end zone. And, um, you know, that's kind of where the diving and the jumping, you know, started. But, um, you know, just going back to that 2009 season, you know, it was so special for us because everything we were playing for, you know, from, from 2006 
uh, you know, months removed. And we and it's crazy is what people may not know is we got drafted to New Orleans five months after Katrina. It was you know, terrible. It was a third world country when you went down there, bro. It looked like a war zone, you know, and and there, I remember there was curfew at like eight o'clock. People had to be inside. Um, Nothing was open. No businesses were open. You know, you could see, still see obviously a lot of the destruction, Mm -hmm. spray paint, you know, on the houses with the number of bodies found inside the houses. And this is like what we're driving through to get to practice every single day. You know, we're seeing the trailers. trailers. Yeah. The FEMA trailers were a huge thing. Please continue. Yeah. And it was just, you know, it was a time period where, um, you know, I I felt like there was a bigger purpose, you know, for us being down there. And there was a reason why, you know, that team was brought together, you know, was to to help restore hope into the city Mm -hmm. and to, um, you know, uplift people's spirits, you know, by winning football games. Because before we got there, the Saints were not good, Um, you know, and they had some some pretty bad seasons for a couple of years before that. And we were kind of like the new kids on the block, you know, in that 2006 season. And, and we were able to, to make some noise, go to the NFC Championship game. Um, we were one half removed from playing in the Super Bowl. Yep. And, um, you know, it, I think us losing that NFC Championship game left a bitter taste in our mouth. But it also showed us that, hey, we belong here and we can do this. And the next two years, you know, we kind of faltered. We were average, you know, and then year four, you know, 2009. Is when it just all clicked, all came together, and um, you know that's when Greg Williams came over, and I, I really felt like you know just his attacking style of defense, um, the way you guys played, you, you the defense was the reason why you know we we a big piece of reason why that we won that Super Bowl that year because um, you mean you guys were just you guys turnovers ferocious like everything that that team needed in that time period uh, is is what you what you guys brought you know to the table and some of those practices that we had man those were bloodbath practices like y'all was chirping at drew anytime you got an interception whole team celebrating in the end zone so that fired us up we had to come back you know what i'm saying and, and, and score touchdowns and it was just those battles man those practices that we had um, from training camp to the season. And that's really where um, we built that, that championship team, you know, it is within those practices and, and those, um, you know, those, those times where, you know, the camera's not on when we're not on yep. the football field on Sundays yep. and playing. And we built a relationship that I felt like goes far beyond the football field. Um, you know, to this day, all y'all are still my brothers. Y'all know that we still be on yep. the group chat talking trash all day with Orny and, and Streif and Vilma and, you know, all these dudes, man. And, and so that's what I appreciated most about that time period that I was in New Orleans, that we were in New Orleans together was just yeah. the relationships that we built, man. And, and coach, um, you know, coach Vitt used to always say, they're going to walk together forever. You know, this is it, true. There's no truer words. It's true. <laughs> I, I didn't. I would hear him say it all the time. You don't really pay attention to it. Yeah. And he said something else all the time too. He's like, when you're in, like, when you're living in the greatest time of your life, you don't realize it. Right. And those are some of the greatest times of our lives, literally. Yeah. And you don't realize it. You just kind of live in life. You're taking it. Yeah. You're taking it for a little bit. You're taking it for granted mostly. And then you wake up. And you're like, dude, that really was something special. And talking about the Super Bowl, we win the Super Bowl. Great mm-hmm. season. What did you do after? What was that party scene for you afterwards? New Orleans is known for a party scene. I get it. 
What was that like being Reggie Bush after winning the Super Bowl? Man, you know what? Uh, after we won that Super Bowl that night, I think I went to uh, live. I yep. went to live that night. We all went to live. I, think I did not go. I ended up going to story. Live was like 20 something a, a sex. It was like crazy. It was it was it was too crazy. I, and I had some yeah. boys with me. So it, it was too much. It was. But yes. Yes. Just being in Miami, winning that Super Bowl. Um, man, it's it was such an amazing time period, um, especially for Saints fans, mm-hmm. um, for the organization, for us, the players. Um, you know, being able to win that in Miami against the Colts, you know, was, it was larger than life, man. It was the biggest thing ever. You know, it was, like you said, in that moment, you know, I was excited. I was happy. I was, you know, celebrating. We finally did it. But I'd be honest, like two weeks later, I was already like, okay, let's go get the next one. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I didn't take enough time to enjoy it. You know, Mm. I was already trying to think about how are we going to get number two? You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing about when you win championships, especially when you're able to win them at the highest level, it's like a drug because you want it again. You know, Mm -hmm. like, okay, that was fun, but I want to do that X amount more times. And, you know, I remember us going to, do you remember our our parade? Our parade was crazy. Oh my God. Legendary. That that parade was 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 awesome, man. And they I, said I it was going to be three hours, and it lasted about eight. Well, that ain't no way that parade was going to last three hours. I mean, we had every street; it was just lines and just thousands of people. Every street, no, it didn't matter what street you looked on; it was just packed with people. And we were on our Mardi Gras floats, you know, going through the French Quarter, going through Uptown. And I, I so I'll never forget this story. I ended up being on. Somehow, I don't know how. I ended up being on Sean's float. So it's me, Sean, Mickey, um, Orny's on the float. Um, somehow, Jay Glazier was on the float. <laughs> no idea why. He had nothing to do with the team, but he on the float celebrating with us. And so everybody's lit up, right? Everybody. Everybody's no lit up. No um, Coach Payton is lit up. And so <laughs> Coach decides, I don't even know if people know this story. He decides, as we are going through Uptown, he decides to jump off the float with the Super Bowl trophy. Didn't warn nobody, didn't tell nobody, didn't ask permission. You got security, all kinds of stuff. It's thousands of people as soon as you step off this float. By himself, starts running down the street with the trophy above his head. Bruh, I promise you. So this is crazy. Nobody this is the first saw time him. I'm hearing this story. This is awesome. Nobody saw him but me. I was the only one that saw him running down the street. And I was like, hey, y'all need to go get Sean over there because he's running down the street with the trophy. <laughs> and all, of a, all you saw was just thousands of people like a swarm of bees just whew, right on top of him. You couldn't see him anymore. But you saw the trophy just bouncing around <laughs> down, chop, uh, down the front corner <laughs> through this crowd. And it, it was... It was so crazy because it, it was just one of those things where it was just like sudden and and security had to run out there and get them, whatever it was. But it was obviously all in fun. And, um, you know, it was a great time, man. Yeah. I, I think winning the Super Bowl for the city of New Orleans during that time period is one of the greatest uh, memories and accomplishments of my life. Uh, you know, let's talk about another accomplishment. Um, and that is in 2019, you were inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, could you take me through that? Your emotions, how to feel, yeah. were you surprised, were you shocked? And then I'm going to tell the people um, 
the biggest Reggie Bush moment after all that? Please go. <laughs> um, you know, I was I was happy. You know, I was excited because um, you know, what we built in New Orleans, that team, you know, all those guys that played our draft class, everybody played double digit years, which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. You know, even even Ninkovich, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. After he left, left us and and went on to, you know, t- um, the Patriots, end up having an amazing career. So it was yeah. like everybody from our draft class, even down to Colston, who was, you know, one of the last picks and ended up becoming one of the greatest receivers. Yeah, I think it's second so, to last pick. Second to last pick yeah, in the whole second draft. Last pick. And, you know, it's just the, the the way that everything worked out, the people that we brought in, um, it was just awesome, man. And to be able to, you know, celebrate that with Mrs. Benson um, and with, you know, coach and my teammates and just knowing that, you know, my name was going to be up there with you guys and for everything we did, you know, for that organization and for the city. Um, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's yeah. all about. It's, it's all about just, you know, leaving everything on the field and and having no regrets. Um, and, and I really felt like I gave everything I had you know, to every team while I could, you know, and, and especially to the city of New Orleans. Like, I, New Orleans is my home away from home. I love that place to death. Um, I love all the people down there, the fans, and some of the best food in the world. I don't care where you've been, where you ate. If you ain't ate in New Orleans, you ain't had the best food. I I could not deny that and totally agree with you. Could I, could I just – I, I want to know this, too, because this is the biggest Reggie Bush moment, is that – so Reggie – Gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. You go mm-hmm. in with, do you go in with who, Lance or Colston? Colston. All right, you go in with Marcus Colston. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right, so I come. I'm not in yet. I come because I want to support my guys. Same draft class. I ain't doing nothing. So we come. <laughs> and lo and behold, you know who's late and don't even show up till game time. The next day of the Hall of Fame. Family's there, wife looking beautiful. None other than Reginald Bush right here. My man, he's like, ah, you know, couldn't make the flight after my show. Like, Orny's like, dude, as much money as this mother joker has made, he wouldn't just get a private jet. Just, like, get him there. Wouldn't do it. We missed you, Reds. That's all I'm saying. It was a great speech that you supposedly did. It was amazing. (laughs) My wife gave the speech. Malik looked beautiful. All right. It was it was awesome. All right. It was good. The the boys, their daughter, everybody looked great. Yeah. We just missed you. Okay. <laughs> just to let you know. It was the let most me, Reggie Bush moment. Yes, this is Reggie. Let me Bush. explain myself first. Okay, right? please, please explain. Cause we would there all was like a to know. as y'all know, New Orleans, Louisiana is a sitting duck. For a lot of these storms that happens, rainstorms would be some of the most powerful storms you've ever seen in your life. True. That day, there was a bad storm, and a lot of the flights got delayed or canceled. Mm-hmm. And the airport, um, the New Orleans, the airport in New Orleans ended up losing power uh, during this storm. Mm. And so a lot of flights going into New Orleans got really delayed. And so my flight was delayed. And, you know, it was last minute. There's no way to call um you know a, a private jet last minute like that you know it was um i had already booked this flight and i was already you know at the airport you know pulled up and i didn't know until i got there that it was going to be that delayed and i'm like oh my god i'm about to miss my hall of fame induction speech like what am i what do i do like can y'all 
can y'all hold him hold him for a little bit or can't hold it dog we, we all here we all in the building we are all so, in the building so you know it's it was one of those one of those ev- just times where I, I it was literally out of my control you know and i really wanted to be there obviously to you know obviously be able to give a speech and but my wife held it down for me man and yes, that's, she did that's the beauty of of having you know a spouse that's the beauty beauty of having a best friend um, is that you know we 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 counterbalance each other, and there, when there's times where there's something that she can't do, I pick up for it. When there's things that you know sometimes I can't do or things I can't make it, and she can hold it down for me, then that's what she does, and and that's the, I think the best part about me and my wife's relationship is that um, we love each other, we support each other, and you know if if one of us is ever in a jam and we got to pick up the slack for the for the other person, then that's what we're there for, and then we're gonna do that. Reggie, I've met Lalit quite a few times. Number one, hats off to Lalit for picking up the speech because it was funny. Because uh, nobody, it was, it was With hilarious. no practice, Actually, by the way. She it, no practice. practice. She was no. not prepared for this at all, but not she prepared. held it down. Um, so shout out to Lalit. And I, I know her. She's beautiful. She's amazing. And yeah. bro, nobody's going to have your back more than her. And like, if Absolutely. you need to hide a body, she would do it for you. And you Absolutely. know that. <laughs> you know that. Absolutely. Now, yeah. this is... This is not the only Hall of Fame that you're in this yep. year. Yeah. College football Hall of Fame, new mm-hmm. inductee this year's class, my man Reggie Bush. I want to first of all tell you congratulations on that. That's a huge, Thanks, huge deal. And knowing the history of what you've had at USC, yeah. uh, the NCAA, all of what college football, as much as you meant to it or did for it mm-hmm. and what it has done to you, uh, mm-hmm. On the other side of that, did you ever see um, this happening? And also, I, I want to also know, man, like, where were you at? How did you find this out? Like, who told you? Uh, true story? Orny you, told me. Like, Orny told me? Be- Orny told me weeks before it even happened. So I had already <laughs> already knew. Oh. Orny leaked it out. You know, oh, classic Of course. Orny. <laughs> classic of course. Orny. He leaked it out to me. But, um, you know, I... I um, you know, it's funny as I actually wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about college football hall of fame. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that was not something that was on my mind. Uh, it was something that I knew uh, was going to eventually happen. Yep. I just didn't know when, yep. you know what I'm saying? Because of the nature of everything that happened while I was at USC and um, you know, the things that were done to the university, to me through the NCAA and just that constant uphill battle, that fight, you know, against the NCAA. Yeah. And, you know, I'm happy that, you know, I'm finally now into the college hall, uh, the hall of fame. Um, you know, I think that I earned it. Yeah, um, sure. I, and, and again, I don't want anything given to me for free. You know, I want everything that I get. I want to earn it. You know, I want to make sure that I've put in the body of work um, to show people that he deserves this or whatever that is. Um, and, and so, you know, when I, when Orny told me the news, I was excited. I was happy. And um, I told my wife, told my kids, <clears throat> you know, they were all excited and happy. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to, you know, the actual induction uh, yeah. ceremony, dinner, all those different things. And, um, you know, it's been a long time coming, man. Um, you know, I think when I look back on my college career, it was the place for me where I grew so much and where I became a man because coming from high school, um, you know, I was a great football player and, and, and played against, you know, great talent, but 
you know, I felt like also my talent level was, you know, at a certain level. And then when you get to college, you realize, oh, everybody's an All-American. Everybody yep. is, you know, one of the best at, you know, where they came from. And so there was just that that shift, um, I think, in my mind where I had to go earn it all over again. I had to go mm-hmm. prove myself all over again to my teammates, to the fan base, to the coaches. Um, you know, this was not going to be something that was going to be easily given to me because of what I did in high school. But yet I was going to have to go in and put the body of work in all over again and reprove myself. And, you know, I thought Pete Carroll did a great job at creating, um, you know, just competition. He created it was always competition on the field. Mm -hmm. And that's that was the one thing that drove us, I think, was because you couldn't relax because you had another five star behind you, and you had another five star behind him. And another SC five-star was so him. loaded. I don't think people that watch college football now understand how SC people in my when I was in college, Reg, it took a couple things. I'll talk about the trend setting that you guys mm-hmm. did and the West Coast. But you know, people believe that USC would never ever falter, that they mm-hmm. would be what Alabama has now become or what yeah. Georgia seems to be wanting to become now in college yep. football space. Yep. And so we all know that college football goes in these ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. But man, what you guys and Pete Carroll created was crazy. Like yeah. everybody wanted to put up the V for victory. What you mm-hmm. guys did, I don't know your colors completely. I know it's yellow and- You know our colors, red. man. Stop acting like- is it, I didn't colors, know, it, it's not cardinal. Is, is it maroon? Is it maroon? It's not maroon. <laughs> is it crimson? What is it? Like, I'm what is that red? like you don't know our colors, bro. You know it's, what it is. It's something in yellow. What is it? It's cardinal and gold, man. Cardinal and gold. My bad, dog. Cardinal and gold. My bad. I didn't get it wrong. See, I'm saying my bad. My bad. My bad, dog. I'm better than that. You're right. I am better than that. I'm a West Coast guy. You know that. But can we talk about, let's just stay right there, because I want to talk about a couple trends that you guys set set in college. All right, Reg, Mm -hmm. you guys were the first ones to wear, like, regulation, like, socks to, like, calf, Mm -hmm. to the Mm -hmm. calf, and make, Mm -hmm. make that look hot. You know what I'm saying? Like you boys was like I was in Alabama wearing my socks at practice of like right below my calf muscle because that's what SC was doing. Yeah, and I'm yeah, literally playing yeah. college ball too. But I'm like, bro, yeah, they way better than us. So I'm trying to be like them. Like, I don't know what the rest of y'all doing, but I'm trying to be like them boys out there, bro. Like yeah. that's where it's at. All right, that was one thing. You were also one of the first people. Where and where did you get this from to put the six one nine your area code? Yeah, on, underneath your iPads. That was like game changer. A couple different so- things. Lindell had the different colored visors. You guys yep. had celebrities on the on the sidelines. Snoop, mm-hmm. Will Ferrell. You can name them off. To, just take me into like when all that started. And did you yeah. guys really re- recognize like how much you were impacting college football in the country at the time? Well, like you said, you know, you never really um, feel like this is, you know, the greatest time of your life because, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in those moments, it just feels like you're living. You know, it just yep. feels like you're, you're working and you're grinding. Um, you know, the 619 underneath my eyes, that started, actually, I, I would write my area code as where I'm from, San Diego. I would write that on my uh, wrist tape. Uh-huh. And at some point, you know, I, I think I stopped wearing wrist tape. And Tino, who was our equipment manager, um, was was always, you know, we were always like just messing around with just, you know, how can we make this look cool? How we can make just different things look cool? And so... I came into the locker room one time and he was just writing, you know, different things on the eye blacks. And I was like, oh, maybe we should write 619 on there. You know, the area code, let's, let's try it out. And so we went out to practice with it. 
and it got a you know I got a pretty good reception. I was like, you know, I think I'm gonna do this in the game, you know. And and I always wanted to. The reason why I did it is because I always wanted to um, pay homage to my hometown, where mm-hmm. I came from. Uh, you know, we we talk about putting the city on your back on the map, yeah. you know, so to so to speak. And that was kind of my way of you know paying homage to my hometown, where I came from, um, the people that helped me get there. My high school coaches, little league—I mean, everybody. You know what I'm saying? And so I wanted to to really, you know, kind of you know show that respect um, while playing football on the yep. field, and that's kind of where it started. You know, it was it was literally something that simple. It was just our equipment manager kind of like playing around with just different things, and and then when I came in there, we was like, "Yo, we we're gonna try this in the game," and it got a great reception. You know, and and had we been losing. I don't know. Does that ever become a trend? Like that maybe never becomes a trend if we lose it. <laughs> if you lose it, people can be like, oh, that's trash, man. What you doing over there, man? You don't know what you're doing. People in the 619 ain't letting it rep, ain't letting you represent. They're like, bro, we not he ain't with us. <laughs> he ain't with us. Like, nah. we don't know him. We don't yeah. know him. <laughs> yeah, not at all. But <laughs> um, but that's kind of where it started, man. And um, you know, it, it's also funny because in the Fresno State game, um, I was rocking the one sleeve. Yeah, did that? Did that one got torn? Right? It got torn. It wasn't again. But now no all purpose. of them do it. Everybody rocks. Yeah, everybody one sleeve. It. <laughs> So you know, it was in the game. I was obviously balling, and I was running through a tackle, and my right sleeve got torn and ripped, and it was just like hanging. And I was just like, "Yo, cut it off, man. Let's go. Like, let's get back in the game. Cut it off." And I'm not even thinking that, like. People are gonna latch onto this, and this could become a new trend with one sleeve, one arm sleeves, and you know that's kind of they ended up being one of the best games of my career. You know, yes, it at was. the college level, and you know, again, when when you're playing at a high level, and you do little things like that, you know, people catch on to it, and I think um, you know people um, obviously liked it, and uh, it was kind of welcomed into the college football world. You know, but uh, again, a lot of these different trends and things that. You know, we did at USC was not was not on purpose. It was by mistake or accident, you know, and we just kind of ended up, you know, latching on to it and became a thing. Um, but, you know, this again, that time period at USC, I became a man. The players, the guys that I played with pushed me um, to get to that Heisman Trophy, to win the Heisman Trophy. I did not win that by myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, because every single day in practice, similar to our 2009 season, it was like that every single day in practice. We were trying to knock each other's heads off. Um, we were going at each other. It was trash talking. Even the coaches were trash talking to us. Like one of one of our 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 linebacker coaches was Ken Norton Jr. I was gonna say was Ken Norton in? He was there with you guys, right? Mm-hmm. And anybody great, who great knows coach. Ken Norton knows he is one of the greatest <laughs> talkers that has ever existed, right? <laughs> ever. Like sharp. We see Shannon Sharp talks a lot of trash. Yeah, Kid Norton, same way. And I think really? it was just something about that era. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That era of athletes, the era of players, because the game was much more violent back mm-hmm. then. Um, the rules were way different. You could d- destroy a quarterback back then. You had two um, steps. And and so it was just a different era, you know, of athletes. And um, a lot of those guys, you know, I think about those are guys that I grew up watching. You know what I'm saying? I still have a folder. I don't have it here right now. I have a folder for when I was growing up of trading cards that I collected. Mm-hmm. And 
I went back through. It's kind of crazy, man. This is just like full circle. I went back. Let me go blow my thing off back there. Let me go pull it out. Open it up, man. I had so many cards in there of guys who now I'm friends with or have gotten to know. So Ken Norton Jr., I had like five of his cards. Um, and these are guys who really um, I looked up to, you know, when I was playing in the league. And and um, one of my favorites ever was Deion Sanders, you know, Prime, mm-hmm. Coach Prime. And he is literally the reason why, you know, I wanted to play football. And so it was Deion Sanders and Barry Sanders. So I tried to emulate my game after Barry, yep. but I really wanted to be prime. And so I tried to mix the best of both of them. So that's why Dion returned punts, I returned punts. That's Got where it. all started was watching him return punts. And, you know, Barry Sanders didn't return punts. So I was like, you know what? No. <laughs> I'm going to figure out how I can do both of these, you know? So I, I, I tried to emulate Barry from the running back position and then prime returning punts and just that showmanship that he yep. brought to the game i mean nobody nobody was flasher than prime bro like nobody he, bro. i still got i got a big poster in my bedroom of prime i got mm-hmm. one in my house right now uh autograph that i wanted at an auction and just like yep. he he was completely mesmer i mean he was he was he played defense and he was completely yeah. polarizing i want to put a you know start to wind his college career down because i want to jump into what you're doing now um number one um do you feel vindicated now, now that you're going to the College Football Hall of Fame? Because you've been very vocal about um, your your past history, your mm-hmm. your legacy, the treatment of, between the NCAA and you, all these back mm-hmm. and forths, Mark Emmert. Like, you've been very open and honest about that. Yep. Uh, do you feel vindicated, Reggie Bush? <sighs> vindicated, wow. Um, I don't know, because I took so much blame for everything that happened at USC, you know, mm-hmm. for for the things that went on. And this, you got to understand, I was 18 years old, 19 years old, you know, yep. when when, um, when this stuff happened. Um, there were a bunch of lies that were told that were never brought to light about the true nature of what was going on behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. The NCAA um, decided to paint a narrative about me that was untrue. It literally just was not true. Um, and And it's... You know, it's 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 hard to and it, listen as as a as a person. Anytime somebody says a lie about you, you're gonna want to defend yourself. You know what I'm saying right away. A thousand percent. And I never really got that chance, you know, to really defend myself because the 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 facts that were thrown out there were just not true. Um, you know about what the NCAA was doing. And there was just no real, true investigation um, that happened. A lot of people think that there was this you know, <laughs> detailed investigation that went on. It literally, there was uh, one of the worst investigations that has ever happened because the NCAA just decided not to do their homework. Um, and then my running back coach at the time period, um, you know, this was all pinned on my running back coach because I was already gone. Yep. So people got to understand I had already left college, so there was nothing that the NCAA could do to me, right? They're not, mm-hmm. it's not like the, the FBI or the police department where they got subpoena power and you got to come. Like, I was already gone in, in the league with, with, with you guys, you know what I'm saying? And, and I already shifted my focus to New Orleans and to how I was going to help, you know, this city. Um, and, and so a lot of the things that 
happened were pinned on my running back coach at this time period, Todd McNair. Yeah, because he's the um, only one that they could get because he's still in the coming. Yeah, so they just do something, get somebody. Exactly. So it, it literally just like that. It was like, we got to get somebody. You know what I'm saying? And and um, if for anybody who knows anything about the way that, you know, penalties work for the NCAA, they have to have linked somebody from the university with knowledge of what was happening or what was going on or they were a part of it somehow, some way. And they said my running back coach was that guy. A year later, in 2010, he filed a lawsuit for defamation of character mm -hmm. um, against the NCAA. Well, they just settled that lawsuit about eight months ago. Yeah. That's why I asked, do you feel vindicated? Because you posted this Instagram post. You mm -hmm. called about the money. You called mm -hmm. out Mark Emmett by his name. You mm -hmm. said all these, you know, like you were very open and candid about this, Red. Absolutely. So that's why I feel like it's cool to talk about it right now. And you can continue to share. And um, Well, because it's because people have thought that this case has been closed, right? They thought yeah. this has been done and over. It has not been over. It has been ongoing since 2009. Think about how long that's been. That That's how long the NCAA has been fighting this. And they just, they didn't want the public to know that, right? Mm -hmm. It's been behind closed doors. Um, and it hasn't been publicized because the NCAA, first of all, you got to understand, they got billions of dollars, all right? We, we don't got billions of dollars, all right? So when you're trying to sue a corporation that has billions of dollars, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be an uphill battle because they're not going to run out of money. You will run out of money <laughs> trying to fight them. And so that's honestly why, you know, we I have just been in this waiting, holding pattern because I knew at some point when this case settled, the facts were going to come out. And this was this case was was public for a while. There was a court. There was a, mm -hmm. a, a trial on it. You know, there's things that happened within that case. And a lot of, um, you know, in my opinion, a lot of evidence that came out that showed that the NCAA had malice towards us and towards T-Mac, um, which was unfortunate because he didn't deserve it. His family didn't deserve it. He didn't do nothing wrong. He didn't even know anything about what was happening. So that's why, you know, when the ruling, when the ruling first came out, uh, we were all shocked, actually, because we knew that the NCAA had, there was no evidence on their part. They didn't have, uh, they just didn't have any evidence, you know? So we were really shocked about the ruling and the penalty that came out. And at that point, that's when the lawsuit was filed. And that's when I was like, okay, so here we go. We're going to wait for this lawsuit to settle. And then that's when the facts will come out. I just didn't think it would take 12 years. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to take 12 plus years yeah. for that case to finally settle. But that goes to show you how much the NCAA did not want this to happen and how much and how long they chose to fight this. And now look, now look at us and like what we are. I, right, right. The, 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 thing Supreme with, Court, the Supreme Court ruled against them, eight yep. nothing, which, which, or nine nothing, I don't know what it was, yep. eight or nine, basically. Um, but but what, what that shows is that, one, what they were doing is a violation of human rights. You know yep. what I'm saying? I, this is why, where I come to with this whole NIL thing, name, image, and likenesses. NIL is something you were already given at your birth. It's your name, your image, and your likeness. NCAA is the only place where you're told you can't benefit from that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And in no other form of work can you do that. If you work for me, I cannot tell you, Rome, you can't go make money off your name, image, and likeness once you leave this building. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's... Mm -hmm. But those are the rules and the games that were put into place, in my opinion, to to 
hold back one group of people and to elevate another group of people. And it's literally that simple. No, it, it really is. Um, I, I, one more question on this Heisman thing. And that yeah. is that uh, on the, the I Am An Athlete podcast, mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago, you, you, you talked about it and you said the trophy is coming back. Yeah. Um, is it close to coming back? Uh, what's your opinion on that now? And um, I, I would like to know. I mean, yeah. I always said, Reggie, I think you were crazy for giving it back. But hey, <laughs> you know how you know how I feel. I've told you that since day one. Anyways, go. I listen. I didn't want to give it back. So yep. let me just go ahead and, and and say that like this was not something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just something in that time period I felt uh, was the right thing to do. Correct. Um, because the human side of me was like, "F y'all." Yeah. Like, I, I'm not giving this back. I, I earned it. Um, you know, I grinded, I put in the work, y'all saw what I did on the football field. Stop acting like you didn't see that. You know what I'm saying? And it is what it is. But, you know, in that time period where all this media attention was on the trophy and was on me, mm-hmm. it was all just negative energy. I wanted to be able to shift my focus and have a, just a clear mindset of where I was going. If that makes sense. So when no, I no, it makes to, complete when sense. It's it, like the the trophy seems to be bringing all this negativity here. Just hey, exactly. It. And then next, you know, I will be able to focus and go mm-hmm. with all this because this is what it's all about. You can't punish me, right? So if this is what it's about, then take it, right? And I didn't want to bring that energy into New Orleans because mm-hmm. at that time period, you know, one, I was supposed to be drafted to Houston, yeah. um, number one, and the reason why. There's another reason why another story of why that didn't happen, which but that was all because of the Heisman Trophy and everything that was going on. But going to New Orleans, you know, when that happened, um, the first thing they did was they flew me in and they took me on a tour through all the devastation. And right then, right there, I felt this great sense of responsibility to the people of New Orleans, to the city that there's something much bigger here that needs to happen. And I don't want to bring baggage or negative energy along with me into the situation because these people need my best and they mm-hmm. need my 100% locked in focus. And as long as I'm still getting phone calls and text messages and questions in the locker room about the Heisman Trophy and it's, everything's about that, you know, nothing's yeah. focused on New Orleans. I can't fully be myself. I can't fully dive in and lock in. And I just didn't, I felt like the, the people didn't deserve that down there in New Orleans. Like it was it was something much bigger. Sometimes you go into these situations and it's just something is just bigger than it is bigger than football. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it feels like there's, you know, there's there was just, you know, I don't know. There's just a greater connection there that that um, that was waiting for us, you know, and, and we all got involved into yeah. helping people rebuild their homes, donating money physically mm-hmm. out there nailing down, you know, boards and stuff on top of people's houses. And and so, you know, when you're in a situation like that, one, what it did for me was it just, it get, when the city of New Orleans welcomed me with open arms, it, it, it really lit a fire underneath me and made me just want to dive in and give these people everything. Um, and, and so that's honest to God, you know, part of the reason why, a uh, big reason why I gave it back Mm-hmm. because I just wanted to focus. And then also, I knew at some point when all these facts start to come out, people are going to see the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And that trophy is going to end up coming back. Where we stand right now, my attorneys have been in contact with the NCAA. 
for some time now. We've pressed them. We've sent them demands, letters. Basically, we sent them a, a, a 56 page letter identifying every hole in the investigation, every issue that's wrong with what with everything that happened. And X amount of months later, I'm in the Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I swear to God, this is literally how it happened. Like, we pressed them. We were like, listen, as some, once the because once the court case settled, yeah. then that gave us factual proof to to where the NCAA had nowhere to run. Right? Yeah. You already got the Supreme Court ruling, and now you got this court case that just crumbled underneath you. And so now all the facts are there. Now y'all literally can't run. You can't go anywhere. You can't hide. All right. This is the, what the facts are showing and have said and same thing we sent that same information to the to the heisman trust and so um where we are right now we're in a holding pattern waiting for them to respond honestly. okay and that's that's kind of where it is but do i believe it's going to come back i've always felt that way in, in my heart of hearts i've always felt like that you know i've never i always felt like once the, once the facts come out you know the trophy's gonna come back uh I, I, I totally wholeheartedly, I work in the college football space too now, you know that, and mm -hmm. uh, I believe it's going to come back too. Um, yeah. Tell me this, because first of all, I got to give you some credit, you and your boys, you know, pressing these cats, you know, like Big Worm, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Pulled up on But uh, do you think all this extra pressure, all this extra stuff, do you think that impacted your career early in your career? in New Orleans or at any other time and throughout your career, like having to deal with all this stuff for 12 yeah. years, Reg, yep. you know, over 12 years, did mm -hmm. this impact your career or your thought process or any other part, or maybe you can point out a specific game or a moment yeah. that comes to mind. You're like, man, it was just in my head and I could not shake it. There, it was every day. Um, I'd be lying to you. Every day has been on my mind. Every single day since 2009, the Heisman Trophy has been right here at the front of my head. And it's, it's been something that I've thought about. Um, it's been something that has drove me, you know, to uh, depression at one point, you know, when I was in New Orleans, this is crazy is, you know, when I got drafted, this is supposed to be the happiest time of my life. You know, I'm supposed to be, I'm living out my dream. I finally made it. My opportunity's finally here. And I'm at my lowest point spiritually. I'm at my mm. lowest point um, mentally. And I felt broken, honestly, because of um, just the things that were being said about me. And, and that's yeah. what it comes down to, man. When, again, when people are calling you one thing and they're labeling, labeling you um, as a certain person, as a cheater, how am I labeled as a cheater? I ain't never cheated a day in my life, especially on that football field, you mm -hmm. know, and I always, always showed up and punched that ticket, you know what I'm saying, and punched that clock to go to work. And that was the only way I knew how to work. It was the only way I knew how to how to show up and, and to and to be great and to be myself. Um, and, and again, luckily, I've been blessed to be surrounded by great teammates like mm -hmm. yourself, um, like all my teammates in at USC, uh, guys that pushed me to get there every single day. It was like the it, it was like this unspoke. It's an unspoken bond, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, that mm -hmm. unspoken bond is like I'm gonna show up every single day. And I'm gonna push you, right? I'm gonna push you to 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 be your best because I'm gonna be at my best, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I'm gonna be at my best, 
one or two things is going to have to happen when I step across this football field on a step across this sideline from you. Um, either you're going to rise to the occasion or you're going to fall. Yep. And, and, and that's why, uh, again, I say that USC, I became a man is because I was surrounded by nothing but dogs. And yeah. when I got to New Orleans, again, surrounded by nothing but dogs. And you didn't have time to sit there and, and, and kind of, you know, I think worry about, you know, your problems and your issues and the things that were going on. It was like the locker room became um, my escape. It became, you know, yeah. my sanctuary. It became the place where I could go to. I could release my stress every single day uh, on that football field. I can go into the weight room, you know, throw up some, you know, 315 or whatever I, you want. I seen you. I seen you, dog. I seen you. Put the, I seen you. <laughs> you see me in there putting you, the You know I seen you, dog. I know Tell I seen you. Tell about me, bro. I Tell seen you, dog. My boy, my boy throw up some weight on that bench press. No <laughs> question. And he jumping like a 40. Like, I, I seen it. I seen it. So uh, that that became, you know, I think my place of peace, you know, um, mm. which is, which you know, I think to, to me now it sounds crazy because when you say the football field becomes your place of peace, well, the football field is the most chaotic place you can be. It's literally Normally. chaos, right? Normally, yes. So how crazy, though, that the football field, the chaos, became my place of peace, right? Became my sanctuary where I can go and get away from the outside noise and where you guys couldn't touch me, the the media, the 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 my friends, my whoever was – uh, texting me, calling me. It was like, it's just me in this field, me and my craft. And, 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 and that's the one thing I always take away from being able to be around you guys, being able to be around players, you know, being around that team was just that I needed every bit of that in that time period because I was in such a broken place spiritually mm -hmm. that the city of New Orleans, my teammates, everything, it just, it brought me right back. It was like, nah, we're not going to let you go too far you yeah. know down this dark path we're gonna keep you right here with us and then we ended up winning that super bowl man and that was just like the biggest release of of just like the monkeys off my back breathe fresh air and you know that's what it was about you know res that's really amazing though to hear you say that first of all thanks for being so vulnerable with us and the listeners um mm -hmm. you know the fact is like i was your teammate yeah i didn't know and i was a good friend of yours yeah we hung and we did all those things but like I didn't know all this, so much of this burden on you through all these things of the Heisman yeah. just really was weighing you down all the time that literally we got the best version of Reggie when he was on the football field because mm -hmm. of all the things that had been going on off the field. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. my other comment and kind of a, the question that I would ask is with all this being said and you sharing all this with us, do yeah. you think your NFL career is any different if you don't have all these other things and and I'm not asking you, would you change yeah. anything as much right. as like, how would it be different in your eyes? Um, if I, if I, if that didn't happen, do I think there would have been a difference in on the field? I, I just think the stress level of, of everything I was dealing with is it was the toughest part. Right. And, and it's going through, you know, the going through the fire, right. A lot of the times as men, we're taught to suppress, right? Suppress whatever issues you got going on. Mm -hmm. You got to be a man about it. 
Um, you got to handle it, you know what I'm saying, like a man, you know, and don't cry, you know, this and that. <laughs> that is true. And, um, you know, don't complain. And, and, and so, you know, f- for me, it was just handling those demons of what was coming along with that. And we all go through stuff, right? We all go mm-hmm. through trials and tribulations. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. And when things happen to us, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I think people will run away from those problems, right? Rather as opposed to walking through it. But the thing is, when you walk through those problems, um, you come out, you first of all, you're going to come out of it, right? You're going to make it through it. But you're going to be better on the other side because you walked through and you didn't avoid it. You know, the one thing that I've Mm -hmm. known, I've learned is that when you suppress stuff, at some point in time, it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Right. And usually it comes out against the people closest to you. Yeah. The um, one. Yeah. And you can hurt them more than anybody else. Go exactly. And you can hurt them more than anybody else. And and that's where the one thing I wish I could go back and change was that I just wish I didn't allow it to affect me as much as it did. Mm-hmm. Because what happened was after my rookie year, I tore my PCL. Right. So 2007 mm-hmm. season, tore my PCL. 2008. Tore my medial meniscus, then had microfracture surgery. So for for those two years, two and a half years, where I was injured, I was banged up, I wasn't on the football field. That's when the depression really set in. Was because you know I wasn't on the field doing what I love. I couldn't go on the field and run and you know run routes and all these different things and return punts. And I'm watching y'all on TV, and it's just a horrible feeling, you know, being injured. And then now media starting to label me as injury prone yeah and it's like wait hold on man i ain't never been injury prone a day in my life you know until you know these last two years where i started getting injured and and that's where um it can become toxic you know for for somebody you know mm-hmm. and that and that's where i think the mental health part of the game that's where it's the toughest because how do i control this while i'm repeatedly getting hit in this you know what yeah. i'm saying it's no, like two that's a rams. great fact. Great, great point. It's it's two rams going head to head every single day in practice, right? And and then you're supposed to go off the field and now I got to control this. Well, shoot, hold on, I just I got beat up for the last two hours <laughs> on this football field over here, and yet as soon as you walk out of that facility, you already have to take off the armor. You got to take off the head plate. You got to put down the sword. You got to take off, you know, the chest plate. You got to put your shield down. You know what I'm saying? Because you're in this barbaric environment on the football field, and then you got to quickly, you know, change and, and and transition to a normal person, and and that's where you know it became tough for me because I was still mentally in that environment, but I just wasn't physically there, mm. and so I dealt with a lot of depression, um, naturally having to take a lot of painkillers for the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, that was bad for me as well. You know, there was a small addiction there with just taking painkillers and, and just wanting to kind of, um, one, I'm wanting to ease the physical pain, but also the mental pain as well that I was mm-hmm. dealing with. And so, you know, that was just, um, you know, one of the things that I wish I could go back and take back. And it's something that I'm going to now teach my kids mm-hmm. is to how to deal with problems, how to deal with that stress, right? Don't run from it, but walk through it because when you walk through it, you become stronger for going through it as opposed to trying to run away from it because you can't run away from your issues and your problems. They're always going to be there in the back of your head. 
And then, and like you said, at, at some point, it's going to come out against the people closest to you, you yeah. know, and, and um, you know, I just didn't have that, that, that right guidance at that time. But thankfully, you know, I had y'all, you know, right. And I had the football field and I had my teammates and that was, if I didn't have that, I don't know, bro. <laughs> I don't know. You know, that's um, like I said, man, I, I appreciate that, dog, because, I mean, I was your teammate, bro, and I didn't yeah. know the depths of everything that you were dealing with at the time. Um, but, you know, yeah. a lot of that is because, shoot, when you, we were part of your sanctuary. So we mm-hmm. were your release when we got like the best of Reggie. Yeah. Um, and look, I tell everybody to this day, it's a couple people I love hanging with all the time. And you're one of those because when I with Reggie Bush, Nobody ever wants to talk to Roman Harper. It's like, oh, it's Reggie Bush. <laughs> Nobody ever bothers me. I just kind of walk by, just like, bro, I'm ridiculous. I love being with Reggie. Love it. Now, <laughs> fill in this blank for me. My life right now is blank. Peaceful. It's peaceful. And nice. um, that's, you know, to me, that's the thing that everybody wants it, but not everybody has it, right? And Very it's true. free. And it's free. Oh, that's peace. Oh, you preaching right now. Go ahead. Peace is free. And you know, it's as you go through these ebb and flows of life, these trials and these tribulations, um, as you get older, right? It's also part of maturity too, is is you start to just under I understand and I see life from a different perspective. Now we got families, we got a wife and kids. Mm-hmm. You know, the the I think the the reason now why we want to go and get it is much different than when we were playing, right? Oh, now we yes. got something much bigger, a bigger purpose, a larger purpose. Um, you know, I got to be right for my kids every single day. I need to study and continue to push myself so I can give them knowledge and give them, you know, um, answers to questions that, um, you know, that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. And um, just making sure that they are being led the right way. Um, because leadership, man, is... You know, what I've learned is leadership is is it's it's about going through, um, you know, these these experiences, you know, and to me, that's where real leadership comes from is you've been through all these experiences. You've been able to, you know, fight through some battles and and, and go through some things and you've been able to be successful and all these different things. And so to me right now, it's just about the leadership, you know, of my family and, and leading my kids the right way, my wife, um, you know, making sure I'm handling business. Um, things, different projects that I that I'm um, involved in, mm-hmm. and our college football show as well. You know, yeah. big new kickoff, which is is which has been doing great, oh, dude. It's and, been uh, it's the number one watched. It's one of the, if not the number one, it's it's one of the top two yeah. watched uh, programs in those specific hours of college football. Mm-hmm. So hats off, to you. I mean, that, it, it's crazy. I look, man. I try and watch it all the time, but you know, I can't because. I'm like on that. Stage. Busy man, yeah, come on, come it's like on. right there. But I watch, you know, I'll be watching. I know, you, man. I know. I we love, all watch each other when we get bro. the chance, bro. You know that. Uh, it's amazing. You, uh, number one, that how many of our teammates are all in the media now? Which we said we so never. Crazy. We all we said we would all never do it. Uh, I said I would never do this. I said I'd never do it. At the I ain't enemy. With y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so media people <laughs> yeah exactly but now it's how many from that team it's me you uh vilma ninkovich ninkovich uh, vilma, uh streif did it for a second streif did it for uh, a second drew drew did it for a um, second yeah shanley it, yeah shanley it's Shanley's doing it yeah it's it's multiple multiple facets lance like, yeah so yep. tell me this what made you want to get into tv 
Mm-hmm. And what's it been like the past few years now getting to go back to these campuses? Like, that's yeah. the best thing for me is yeah, getting yeah. to go to these campuses. We never got to tailgate. We never mm-hmm. got to experience these places. And you specifically getting to yep. go to, you know, back to SC or covering the Big Ten where yep. it's like cold and you get to experience like what are the campus lives and all those yep. things like could give me just share with the, the the people that are listeners and things of that, like encapsulate Reggie Bush's life. What made him make these decisions and how's this whole thing going for you? It's an awesome experience, man. It really is. Um, you know, being able to, you know, this here's the other thing too, is I didn't want to come back to college football, bro. After all this stuff that that's, happened in that's at, a great at USC, point. I never thought about that. When they came to I was actually doing NFL network. And um I was doing NFL network for like two, three years at this time period. I was doing Thursday night football, I was doing mm-hmm. Saturday good morning football shows with Nate and and Kay and you know all and Colleen and all these different people, Smitty. Um, and so I was closely removed from the NFL. So I was like, I'm just gonna stay in the NFL. And Fox came and recruited me for this show um during the Super Bowl when we were in Atlanta. And at that time, I was just like, Man, I don't think so. I don't think I'm gonna do it. I don't know nothing about college football. Um, the last place I want to go back to was college football. But, you know, Fox and uh, Zager and Eric Shanks were, were awesome. And um, they, they, they really, you know, made it easy for me. Mm. Um, and they really um, were like, listen, we want you to be part of the show. We think it's going to be great. We want to rebrand the college football show here at Fox. And we think it would be a great opportunity. And they talked to me just about the, the way it was going to, the look and feel of it and everything that we we're going to do. I'm so glad I took that took that leap of faith, man. I'm so glad, you know, Bro, it's a great it. show. It's a great show. You guys have fun yeah. up there too. You, you, we, and that's, and that's the thing, man, is, is we get a chance to be ourselves and get a chance mm-hmm. to have fun. And now it's like, you know, we're like ambassadors of, of college football, you know, and we get <laughs> a chance to go and to these campuses and, and kind of relive, you know, some of these experiences because we're celebrated everywhere we go. And that's mm-hmm. the best part of, of, um, you know, what we do is, is, uh, being in the college, uh, experience and at the college level, there's it's a different passion than the NFL, right? It's way different than 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 the NFL. You get the pageantry, you get the the, the bands, the mascots, the mm-hmm. student sections, the cheerleaders. Like you get so much to the eye when you watch a college football game, and then being there is even bigger, you know, yeah. and it is even is even greater. So I really enjoy you know doing college football. Um, you know, man, I just, years ago, I just never thought I would be back here, but man, I'm having so much fun with it. I love it. Enjoy it. And, um, man, I just, I can't wait to see what the future holds for me in, in, uh, at this, at this level. All right. One more quick question before we toss to a break. We got to We got to pay some bills, dog. We've yep. been on and me and you, we could do this all day. We could do this, this all day, man. We could literally do this all day. And we hadn't <laughs> talked in a little bit, so we hadn't seen each other. Yeah. So this is like what we do. Um, yep. what's been your favorite campers? Um, let's see. Ohio State's always great. Michigan never disappoints. Um, I think this year going to TCU was a lot of fun. Seeing Fort Worth. I've never been there. I have no yeah, idea what that campus looks like. Going to going to Fort Worth uh was awesome. And um just getting a chance to to you know, TCU is a smaller school, a smaller yeah, private school. It's like ten thousand people. Yeah, I didn't know that. Until I really didn't know that. I was like, damn, there's really not that many people here. <laughs> but, you know, they just seen a run that they went on this year mm-hmm. and just seeing kind of, you know, just this this magical season that they had. 
um, and, and following them and being a part of that, you know, a little bit and covering them, some of their games and getting a chance to talk to Max Duggan and, you know, some of these other athletes. To me, that's the best part. I love getting a chance to actually meet the athletes and talk yeah. to them because you see so much of ourselves in them, you know, and, and where they are in their careers at the college level. And also, I'm just excited for, you know, where college football is headed now that, you know, some of these kids can make money off their name, image, and likeness because uh, I just, it, to me, it's when you're at the college level, you're in your prime. Yeah. When I was 18, 19, 20 years old, making all those highlights at USC, I was in my prime, right? And, and now that these kids can benefit from that, they can go and provide for their families at a much earlier stage, right? They can take care of themselves, right? They can mm-hmm. they can pay some bills. They can put gas in their car. These are all things that I was worried about in college was like, where's my next meal going to be? You yeah, know I don't blame you. Gas is very expensive in LA. Very expensive. Expensive as hell. And then the cost <laughs> of living as well, you know? Um, so it's like a lot of the things that were on on our minds, things that we were thinking about on a daily basis, is these kids don't have to worry about that. So the stress level goes down, right? So now yeah. you can just kind of really just be yourself, man. Just really dive in and, and just be who you are. You don't have to rush to the NFL if you don't want to, right? Agreed. You can make some money at the college level, which I think is very important, you know, because there's some guys who feel like I got to go now because I got to get that money right now because, I, you know, my family's dependent on me. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. I just love, you know, all these different stories that I'm getting a chance to see read and hear about, you know, with the young kids at the college level now because they deserve it, you know. And um, you know, I think it's it's important. It's impactful, you know, for all of them. Man, it's really cool because, like you said, we are ambassadors of the college football area. And uh, you have so much to do with where this game is right now, most importantly. So uh, here, let's toss to a break. We got, a, we got like five quick hitters for Reggie Bush when we get back. All right. All right? Toss to a break here. We got to pay some bills. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you, guys. Keep listening. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The wait is over. The shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Reg, you know you're my guy. Here we go. We got a couple quick hitters for you. All right. I didn't just give us to his first thing that comes to mind. This is what we always okay. try and give people. Some people we throw people off, some we don't. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. What was your first welcome to the NFL moment? 2006, playing in divisional round playoffs. I didn't know you were going to go here, but I know Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Got my ass laid out. Here's the thing, all right? We we talk about DeMar Hamlin and everything he went through, which I'm so glad. That is alive, a great well, point. That is a great Much point. better, doing great. But I got to be honest with you. Everything that he experienced, I experienced that times two in that hit against from Sheldon Brown in that, in that game, bro. I felt like my heart stopped. I felt like my soul left my body. Um, I felt like my head was detached from my body, like literally everything you could ever imagine in the worst car accident you've ever been in, but you lived through it. That's how I felt in that moment. That was my welcome to the NFL moment and hit, and I will never forget it, bro. You saw a human being fighting for his life on that field, bro. I I did see it. I was on the sidelines, yes. And so for those that don't know, Sheldon Brown hit Reggie Bush on a flat route. I mean, Drew, I just, mm. it just, I, he shouldn't have checked to it. Anyway, Reg, <laughs> great job to even hold on to the ball. You held on to it too, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, bro. So the best part is Reg gets destroyed, right? Sheldon Dude. Brown did a complete Roy. sprint right through Reggie's chest. Um, oh Reg God. being, trying to be as tough as he could, bro. He tried to get up. I tried. My boy tried to I get tried. up like twice, <laughs> but he went right back down, right? He's like, he oh. for effort. <laughs> It was great effort, dog. Like, and you you came back in the game eventually, but bro, oh. you was hurting, dog, and it looked oh. really bad. And I can only imagine because a guy like Reggie Bush, you guys seen his highlights. He's never taken a hard hit his whole life. Probably that's probably the first time you'd ever really gotten hit. That was that was my first real. I mean, I've had I've had some some moments where I banged helmets with somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of. But you saw that goes white. Everything goes clear. You start seeing little stars and yeah. stuff. But this one was like a grenade, like an explosion, <laughs> like my my entire body disintegrated and then came back together, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All in one moment. And I just, I never forget, like you said, once I hit the ground, I jumped right back up because I just did not want to show that I was hurt. Yeah, I, I was but watching. It hadn't registered in my body yet that there was no air and I couldn't breathe because the wind was knocked out of me. So I dropped right, but folded right back to the ground 
Now I'm crawling, right? Now I'm crawling, <laughs> but I'm crawling for air. Like I'm crawling, trying, is air over here? Is it over there? Like, where's this air at, fam? I don't got it right now. <laughs> hey, the best part was over on the sidelines, bro. Cause I had tore my ACL, so I wasn't playing. I, I wasn't dressed. And the rest of all of us that was non-dressed were all like, you know, uh, like uh we were all like smoky and uh and, and uh and Craig's dad in Friday, mm-hmm. like, get up, Craig. Get, get up, up Craig. Craig. <laughs> we all like, get up, Red. Get, get up, Red. He's just like, oh, he wasn't getting up, dog. It was hurting. We, we felt you. We felt you. All you right. know what's funny is um, Dante, even Dante Starworth. Yeah, of course. One of my really good friends was Love on Dante. the other sideline. He played for the Eagles at that time. <laughs> and I was on their sideline when yeah, it happened. You were closer to them. And yeah. he was yelling at me. And I couldn't hear anything he was saying because my it was like literally I was deaf and I was just trying to breathe. And afterwards, uh, you know, years later, whatever, he was like, man, I was like, I was trying to get his thing. I was like, Red, you good? Red, you good? You good? I literally couldn't hear this dude, bro. And he's standing right here next to me and I couldn't hear a word he was saying to me. <laughs> I, it, you look, it looked painful. I'm glad that was your... Well, I'm glad you shared that with I'm us. I'm glad I survived it. I'm like, <laughs> I need to write a book. Surviving the worst hit in the NFL. That's my book right there. <laughs> All right. If you could pick one of these to start your team with, a running back, that is, who mm-hmm. would it be? We know your love for Barry Sanders, mm-hmm. Marshall Falk, or Marcus Allen. You've all mentioned that all of these guys at one point in time were like a role model to you. So who yeah. would it be? <sighs> Oh my God. Uh, it's hard. They all had different influences on my life. Mm-hmm. Marcus is from San Diego. Um, he's from my neighborhood, from my hometown. Um, you know, watching him and just seeing what he did and his accomplishments mm-hmm. um was was amazing for me. And and just it really gave me hope that I can go and do it. That's yep. where I really got the first sense of hope that I could actually go and do this thing was Knowing that there were guys from my neighborhood that already did it, it you makes know? so it was Marshall so Falk. Good. Yep, uh, not Marshall Falk. Uh, it was Marcus Allen, Terrell Davis, uh, Ricky Williams, and Rasham Salam. Rest in peace. Mm. Um, those are the four guys from my neighborhood that paved the way for me um, and gave me hope that I can go do it. And then you talk about Marshall. Marshall really instilled in me watching him to 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 step outside of the running back position and go play receiver. No right? doubt, catch the ball out of the backfield and be able to go play in space um, and to be able to just be an extra added weapon, not only in the running game, but in the pass game as well. Um, and then Barry was like my ultimate influence. Like I wanted, I really wanted to be Barry uh, <laughs> on that field. And, um, you know, it's just, I would, if I had to choose one of you forcing me, I'm going to say Barry, man, because nobody was better than Barry. I, I do, I, you, you're not <laughs> wrong. You're not wrong. That boy Barry nobody. was something different, dog. <laughs> I was watching some highlights of him the other day. You know, his stop and go was, and he got to think, he's doing this on that old turf. Old turf. Not that new turf that we no. got now. He's doing that on carpet. I'm surprised he didn't tear more guys' knees up with, yeah. like, all his moves. <laughs> all his moves. I'm not lying. Me too. All right, Reg, this is one that I had not thought of when I knew that you were going to mm-hmm. come on. And then just knowing your uniqueness, who you are, where all the places you've been and, and all the things you've seen. Give me... Yeah. All right, have this picture in your mind. I want to know what's the best room that you've ever been in with like the who's who of like this person is this, this is that. I want to know the like the highlight room that Reggie Bush has been in where it's like, man, this is like big time high quality. Um, You mean just like like athletes or like entertainers or everything? 
the whole yeah. gambit of it. I'm sure you've been in the room with some, some. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of <laughs> the the different rooms though that I've been in. You know, I've been I've been able to, I think, just meet some great people, man. Um, you know, meet some amazing people in my time period. Um, people that I've looked up to, people that I've um, had a lot of respect for. Um, you know, I got a chance to meet Obama when he was not the president yet, when he was actually um, running to become the president. I went to one of his campaign parties, mm -hmm. got a chance to meet him. And, you know, then to seeing what he was able to do after that, going to be the president of the United States uh, was was awesome, man. And, you know, that was one person, you know, that I think that I look at um, as somebody that was just a pleasure to meet. I actually used to live very close to also Jim Brown. Oh. Um, Jim Brown was, um, you know, is, is someone who I hold a lot of respect for. Um, when you talk about, you know, the time period he played in, the things he had to deal with, right? Like mm -hmm. we, we, talk, we talk about some of our issues and things we deal with right now, but Jim Brown, man, he was really in the field. He was really in the streets, really, you know, fighting for equality, um, you know, for African-Americans, for athletes and for just, you know, people of color. And, um, you know, just getting a chance, I think, to meet him, you know, somebody like that who is just again, we talk about how football sometimes is, is bigger than the sport itself. Mm -hmm. um, that was one of those moments, you know, um, you know, for Jim Brown meeting him. And so this was crazy. So I had two dogs. Um, I had a, 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 a boxer and I had an American bulldog. And when I would leave, they would break out of my house They would get out and they'd just be running around the streets where I lived at. And Jim's wife, literally like four different times, found my dogs and brought them back to my house. And so it was so crazy. Like Jim Brown's wife is like finding my dogs for me, running around the streets, probably terrorizing like, the neighborhood. This young, this young whippersnapper Reggie Bush, dog, can't keep his dogs hey, in, in, in control. Reggie can't take care of his dogs, man. Terrorizing our neighborhood over here. Just bringing the property value down. Got yeah. stray dogs running loose. But but yeah, man, I've been I've been blessed to meet some great people, and um, you know I think those are the two people that jump out to me is just people who are larger than life in their time periods and did so much, you know, for the change of our world and, and the direction of sports and all those things. Okay, well, all right. Here's uh, my last question, and that is, who is on your Mount Rushmore of people that have influenced you and impacted your life? On Mount Rushmore, mm. you get four. My mom, for sure. I uh -huh. put my mom in the category. L uh, love, love your mom. Man, just such an amazing woman, amazing person. She's always worked so hard. Um, and, and that's honestly where I get my work ethic from, is from watching her and seeing um, how hard she used to work and, and the time she used to put in uh, to support you know our family, me and my brother. Mm -hmm. Um, who your brother? Number, if people don't know, your Reggie's brother is like six three, six four. Crazy. <laughs> no, 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 six seven. Uh, exactly. It's like it, it makes it makes zero sense, ladies and it gentlemen. Makes no sense. <laughs> it makes zero sense. I just will let everybody know. <laughs> Reggie has. Yeah, I really got the speed. Feet. He got the height. You yeah, know what I'm it's like it's crazy. <laughs> it's the most ludicrous thing ever. All right, go ahead. It's so, so crazy. <laughs> um, the other person. I would I would go back to my little league coaches. Um, nice. I had two coaches, uh, Coach Peely and Coach Keola. One was Samoan and one was Hawaiian, uh -huh. and both these dudes were crazy as hell. <laughs> and and um, 
when I was my first introduction to football, when I first started playing, when I was nine years old, they were my coaches and they were so strict and so not mean, but you know, it's, it's how coaching, how coaching is like, you yeah. gotta be, you know, you gotta be, you, you gotta expect discipline from, from the kids. And so they commanded respect. They commanded discipline from us. And it really set me off the right way. It really set me up the right way because mm-hmm. it gave me such a good foundation yeah. um, from my first you know, coaches out that I was around of, of just how to work, how to grind, how to go get it, um, you know, how to be disciplined. Um, it really set me up for the rest of my career, you know, and I, I go back to them because, again, of, of what they instilled in me, but also, you know, the opportunities that they gave me. And, and I needed a, a I needed positive male influence in my life at yeah. that time period because I didn't have my real dad in my life um, as much as I wanted to. Yeah. And um, these these coaches became, you know, the, that positive male influence in my life that I really needed and really just set my career up. My other Mount Rushmore of coaches, um, I would probably or not. I don't even necessarily say coaches, but there's a combination of guys. Pete Carroll, T-Mac, Tom McNair, my running back coach at USC, um, Ken Norton Jr. You know, I would just say that coaching staff that we had at USC because they really demanded Again, so much re- just discipline and respect and competition and all these things that were just, you know, that we were we were born into that helped us um, not not only on the field, but off the field. You know, so I think I learned a lot of things from them that helped serve me well off the field okay. um, that has just helped me to become the man I am today. And then lastly, I'm going to say my wife, uh, because when me and my wife met. I was in a very dark place. I was in a very dark time period. Um, I was still fighting through a lot of the demons and things from the from uh, the Heisman stuff that happened in USC. And I was actually ready to move. I was about to move to Miami because I just remember I got traded to Miami. Yep. I was ready to move to Miami, all in, sell my house in LA. I'm gonna just go out here, I'm gonna dive in fully. And I just, I wanted, I was ready to get away from LA and do something different. And then we met um, and, and it literally just changed my life because, um, she, she, uh, once she was just there for me, uh, we had our daughter and we developed such a close relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we became best friends and that was something that I really needed at that time period. I just, I didn't have that yeah. and I didn't know I needed that, um, until, until, until I got it, man. So my wife has been such a huge inspiration in my life. Um, we, we, I think our best medicine has been just laughing every day. You know, it's, it's literally that simple. Um, I make her laugh. She makes me laugh. We tell jokes to each other all the time. And that relationship more than anything has given me so much just, uh, stability at home, stability in my foundation. Um, not only, you know, when I was playing, but off the field as well, you know, because uh, again, that's the thing when you play a sport like football, um, uh, again, the biggest thing I always come back to is how do you control this mind when you're constantly getting hit in your head constantly? And that's a that's a tough thing to do. Um, it's like a boxer, right? Boxers constantly getting hit in the head. And we see some of those long term effects that that happens to them. Um, and, and it's no different in football. You know, we got helmets, but we still getting smacked in the head. And so um, just the stability that she brought me in this time period that I really needed. 
um it was re- it really helped me out a lot man yeah shout out to lalit again you know that's mm-hmm. my girl love lalit she's an amazing cooker too like yes. she'd be throwing it down right <laughs> and for those that don't know go, do. go look her up follow her on she instagram <laughs> follow my boy reggie too reggie man you're a blessing man i love you love dog. you big dog um, appreciate you man. we're gonna get up out of here man and uh thank you I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, Peanut missed a great one. All right, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in. I want to ask you all to continue to spread the word. Give us a rating, a review, and a follow on Apple Podcasts or the iHeartRadio app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you later. Peace. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.